Good morning, everybody. Hey, we're going to be um, we were looking at a verse in Philippians this morning. So if you've got your Bibles with you, you can drag those out. Philippians chapter two, um, verses twelve to eighteen. It's a verse we've looked at probably many times. Um, there's so much in it. Um, I want to focus in on one aspect of it this morning. So um, I'm going to pray, and then we'll go ahead and read that. Father, I want to thank you for your presence with us. Thank you that you do love us unendingly and abundantly. You love us and you're for us and you're with us right now. Um, God, we want to hear from you. We want to be changed by you. Holy Spirit, we want to be um, more sure than we've ever been, that we're loved, we're forgiven, we're saved, we're yours. And Jesus, we want to be more like you. We want to represent you well. And so we ask that you come and open up your word to us. You challenge us, you change us, um, and make us more like your beautiful Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Okay. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 18. I'm going to read it to you. It says this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act um, in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then, I will be able to, then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Alrighty. So we've talked a lot about um, this call, this challenge um, Paul makes in this uh, passage in Philippians to work out your salvation. Um, and it's very clear this is something that is an ongoing job because he says continue to work out your salvation. So it's not a, it's not a one-off, I have been saved in the past, tick it off, done. It's an ongoing thing that we've been doing. Continue, keep going to work out your salvation. And there's this process that we've talked about that um, we work it out as God works it in us. So it's not we're not doing it on our own, but we are taking responsibility for that. But it, it's in partnership. It's this beautiful process of becoming mature, um, partnering with God, me taking responsibility for my life, um, but knowing it's God works in me. So that's, that's the way it works. God works in me, but it doesn't just sit there. I need to do something with that. So God works it in, I work it out. Um, that's, the, that's the deal. That's the journey. That's the process we're in. And the beautiful thing is that... Um, I love it where it says, knowing that God, it is God who works in me both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. And in my head, that means not only um, am I able to do God, what God wants, but actually I want to. He's able to make, to make me will, to want to be able to choose to do it, but also actually able to carry that out. So it's not, you know, Christian life is a constant walk of doing all the things I don't want to do and not doing any of the things that actually really I want to do. It's actually as God works in me that what I want that what I desire, that what I'm encouraged by, what I'm passionate about more and more and more is the things that God is passionate about and that God desires. And so he does that in me, but then I have, a, I have a part to play as that is worked out. So this is the journey. God works it in, we work it out, and it's an ongoing journey. Continue to work out your salvation. And the next few verses give us some really key tools, some keys in some specific ways in how do we how do I work out my salvation? What does that actually look like? Sound, it's a great soundbite. What does it actually mean in reality, in practice? Two really quick things. I'm not going to focus on this. This is an, an aside. This is a starter, if you like. Um, 
Two things it makes it very clear in this passage. No grumbling, plenty of rejoicing. So top and bottom of this passage. Um, I wish verse 14 said, do all the things that you love doing without grumbling. Do all the things that you're really good at. Do all the things that come naturally and easily to you. Do all of those things without grumbling. But actually it doesn't. It says do everything without grumbling. So even the things I don't like doing that I find difficult, that aren't they're not naturally easy to me. Do everything without grumbling. Um, I wish it said something other, but that is what it says. Do everything without complaining so that we would become blameless children of God. Listen, one of the things that should mark out God's kids is an absence of grumbling and complaining. I find that quite convicting. <laughs> I can grumble. I can complain. I, my, often my first thought is actually... Oh, that didn't go what I wanted. That's not working out well. Or, or that, like, it's so easy to, we focus on the lack rather than the good. Grumbling and complaining is, isn't what should, it shouldn't be part of the hallmark of God's kids. Um, and, but if you, and if you look in the Bible, you know, the, the journey of the Israelites, um, 40 years wandering around the wilderness, so much of their stagnation and their lapse and their loop, so much of it started with complaining. Right, taking their eyes off, forgetting what God had done, delivering them from Egypt, opening a sea and letting them walk. Like, forgot all these incredible miracles, you know, water coming out of rocks and manna. Every they were so quick to complain, um, and it and it just it took them off. It, it kept them wandering rather than walking into the purposes and promises of God. I am convinced the grumbling and complaining was a big part of why that journey was forty years. When geographically, like, it was not a forty-year journey. They literally did loops. Um, I remember some years ago, um, a long while ago actually, when Phil and I were first married, we had the opportunity, we were in North Carolina with about six or eight um, other sort of peers, friends our age, and we got this crazy opportunity to go and sit um, and spend some time with a guy called Bob Jones, who is a prophet. He's, gone to, he's, gone, he's died now, so he's gone back to be with the Lord. But he is, I mean, not he wasn't prophetic, he was a legitimate prophet. Amazing guy from the deep south of America. I'm not even going to try and do his accent. Um, but I remember really clearly, it absolutely struck me. He, it sounded much better in his accent, but I'm not going to do it because obviously it'll sound really lame. But he said, quit your grumbling. It will take your spirit to the cellar. That was his exact phrase. You quit your grumbling. It will take your spirit to the cellar. And it's true. Like it pulls us down. It takes our eyes off what God's done and fo- focus on our feet and what's going wrong. And so one of the ways that we need to continue to work our salvation out so that we become blameless children of God is to ditch the grumbling. That's the second, the, the first thing. The second thing um, is to rejoice. So Paul says, listen, even regardless of what looks like, life looks like, even if my life is being poured out, hey, I'm, I'm glad. I'm going to rejoice. And you also should rezo- rejoice. Um, you know, rejoice doesn't just mean, like the, the actual word rejoice means to take delight, take joy. So for me, I think it's actually, you look at a situation that might be difficult, might be imperfect, might have things in it that you're like, that's not going great. But I am convinced in every situation, if I look, there is something delightful that I can take. I can take joy. I can take delight, even in a painful and difficult situation. You know, Paul talks about rejoicing a lot in Philippians, which he wrote in prison. Not a delightful situation, but he was able to rejoice, to take joy. It's an intentional choice to rejoice. And if, and if you think about it, rejoicing and grumbling are kind of complete opposites, aren't they? Like they, they can't actually coexist, I don't think. So if you are, um, I'd suggest if you are, if you're aware, do you know what? Actually, 
I find it really easy to complain. Probably grumbling is, is a thing for me. I would, I would suggest this. Start rejoicing. Rather than just like, stop grumbling, stop grumbling, stop grumbling. Maybe start rejoicing because I think you'll find naturally the grumbling will, will reduce because I think those two things are, they don't coexist. So let's quit the grumbling, start rejoicing. Look at a situation, choose to take joy. There is always something good in every situation because in all things, God's working for our good. That's his word, that's his promise to us. So let's not grumble, let's rejoice. That's part of what should mark us out as God's kids, full of joy. Honestly, like, I don't know if the church is that. You know, we should be the most joyful people on the planet, not the most complaining and grumbling. And if in any way that's not us, let's sort that one. So verse 15 is really one. That was an aside. This is really one I focus on is verse 15. Um, verse 15 going into 16. So this, this working out our salvation, this ongoing process, is so that the goal is that we would become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. So this is what we're called to do. This is what we're called to be. Um, and in our first reading, it, it sounds a little harsh, doesn't it? This crooked and warped generation. Oh, gosh, is that a little harsh? A little judgmental, maybe. Um, but this is, this is what I want to talk about, is, is understanding the generation we're in and what we're called to be in that um, and I'm unashamedly going to get my physio geek on this morning. So if you don't know, I worked as a physio in the health service for 15 years. Um, I retired two years ago. Um, but I worked in musculoskeletal outpatients, so patients with back pain, neck pain, sports injuries, fractures, arthritis, all that sort of stuff. Um, and genuinely, the Lord taught me so much through that. I loved it, really loved it. Um, and the interesting thing about this passage is where it says... Um, that we are children of God in a warped and crooked generation. That word crooked is the Greek word scolias, which our word scoliosis comes from. So scoliosis is a curvature of the spine. Now, we all have curves going in and out that way, but side-to-side curves we shouldn't have. Our spine should be straight up and down. So a scoliosis is a curve away from that straight up and down line. So it's a deviation away from the normal, if you like, and what is you know, a deviation away from what is healthy, what is functional. Um, and the thing is, um, you know, it looks really, looks really awkward. Um, it actually is really painful. It limits movement, and it can really affect people's function. I've worked with lots of patients with scoliosis over the years, and it's, it's, a, it's a really limiting thing. So what the picture what, um, that, that I think God is pointing is that, listen, there is a standard. Like, there is a standard, and it's God's standard. And it's his word, and it's perfect, and it's beautiful, and it's lovely, and it's holy. There is a standard. Um, it's not to limit us. It's not to spoil our fun. Actually, you know, God's standard is, is for us to enjoy what it's, Paul says in Romans 8, actually the glorious freedom of the children of God. We are the most free people on the planet. There's a glorious freedom to being God's kids. Um, but he puts, there's a standard, and he puts boundaries in place, and he has a standard for us to walk into in order to protect our freedom. Okay, so God's standard is that I would walk in freedom and fullness, not be limited in any way. It's to protect me. And so when I or anybody else or anybody else in the world is living in a way that is deviated away from God's standard, like a scoliosis, so away from the healthy line, when we're away from that, the thing is, it's painful. Actually, things begin to hurt. It's, we don't function well. We're not healthy. We're not whole. So the reason God has a standard is because he's love. And his heart for us is freedom and fullness. And his standard is about protecting that. So this passage is saying, listen, we're living in a generation that doesn't line up with God's standard, simply. That's what he's saying. Um, it's shifted away 
from God's standard. And so while we live in that generation, the call is, listen, you're to be different. Actually, you're to be like stars shining in the sky. So in a, you know, a dark sky, there are stars that are massively visible. You should visibly stand out because you're not shifting away from God's standard, that you're recognized as God's children because you're not full of complaining, you, you're rejoicing because you, you're working, you're walking and living lined up with God's standard and you hold fast to the word of life. So we should stand out in a really, really good way. And it is about living in a way that lines up with God's standard. Okay, so when I was working with patients, I mean, sometimes you get patients who, like, pain was obviously come from something traumatic. They had an accident. I remember a lady who was walking her dog, and her dog ran into her leg and broke both the bones in her lower leg. Um, I remember another lady who was on a skiing holiday with her husband. Her husband skied into her and um, and tore both her cruciate ligaments in both her knees in one time. Um, I think that took a little bit of working through for them. It was a little awkward. So sometimes there's, like, a tr- something traumatic happens, and... People get hurt, people get busted. Um, Honestly, the vast majority of the time, you'd have patients come to me and they'd be like, I don't know why it hurts. I don't know why it started. It's just come on. No particular reason. Those group of patients, always, 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 it came down to an issue of of alignment. So I would be able to look at them and I can see, do you know what? Stuff's a little bit out of alignment. And because of that, you know, certain muscles get weak, other muscles get too tight. And because it's out, you know, you shifted away from what is normal and healthy and functional. And f- because it's, you know, it's normal for you, but after a while, it's like nothing particularly changes, but after a while it begins to hurt and we begin to be limited by it. So for example, really common low back pain, tons of people, so loads of people in this room have had a bit of back pain in it once in a while. So one of the things that um, can happen is that you curve in the lower part of your back. People, it's called a sway back posture. I could probably point out people in this room who stand like this. Basically, you stand, I'll stand here as you can see, so your hips hinge forward, so it's basically like you're arching that bottom bit of your back all the time, okay? So you've got a really deep curve in the bottom bit of your back. It means the joints in the bottom part of your back are carrying way more of the load than they should, so they get sore, okay? The other thing that happens, it means the muscles in the lower part of your back and your hamstrings get really, really tight because they're in a shortened position all the time. Is this making any sense? Okay, your abdominal muscles, which we'd all love to have flat and smooth and like get lengthened and a bit saggy, a bit flabby, um, and it all it gets into a bit of a vicious cycle. And so I could, t- you know, people could walk in and stand in, and I can, and you know, after having done physio stuff for quite a while, I could quite quickly say that is out of alignment. That's where your pain's coming from. So to reduce your pain, we need to get things lined up again. That's the deal. Um, and then deal with these things because when that's gone on a long while, you have these sort of these things that adapt. So some muscles are too tight. You know, some muscles joints get really, really stiff, and other muscles are really lengthened and weak and really not doing what they should. And so it just gets into a bit of a vicious cycle. Um, and the, the thing is, sometimes we can focus on the the secondary things. So you know, I desperately want a flat stomach. It's like you know what, you can do fifty sit-ups a day, but if as soon as you stand up again, you're like that, and your muscles are switched off and doing nothing. I hate to shatter your dreams, but you're not going to get the results you need to. You need to be walking and standing in a good posture, good alignment, so your tummy muscles are doing something all the time, not just mad 50 sit-ups every now and then. It's not going to cut it. Okay? Honestly, I think we can do the same spiritually sometimes. We're aware, oh, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not, I'm not fit in a certain area, or something's not quite working, and we can, you know, we can desperately do our spiritual sit-ups. I'll pray harder. You know, I'll read the Bible more, and maybe we're not recognizing it. Maybe there's something that's a little bit out of alignment. 
in terms of God's standard for my life, his word over my life, his promise over my life, maybe I'm not quite lined up with that. So yes, let's do the sit-ups, let's do the spiritual disciplines, let's work hard, but let's, it's really worth considering, God, am I lined up with your word over my life and your word for my life in all the ways that that means? It's absolutely the same with the spiritually. Alignment is really, really important. And so I think a major way that you and I can work out our salvation is to consider what's God's standard? What's God's word of life? Am I lined up with that fully? Are there areas where I'm compromising a little bit, where, I, where I've allowed you know, deception to come in, where I'm just shifted away from actually what God says is good and perfect and true about me and for me? Okay, Working out our salvation. So I am walking fully according to God's ways. And one of the things Paul says here in Philippians is that we do that as we hold firmly to the word of life. So for any part of my life, my relationships, my finances, my spiritual life, my health, my job, for any part of my life, what's God's standard? What is, God, what is the word of life for that area of my life? And if you look in the New Testament, you know, the Bible's got something to say about everything. Sex, money, alcohol, exercise, like everything. What's the word of, what is the word of life over my life? Every part of my life. Do I know the written word? Do I know actually what God's standard is? What God says? His standard, his upright, perfect standard. Do I know what that is? And am I lining up with it? Do I know what the prophetic word over my life is? Do I remember the things that God's spoken over me, that God's promised for me, that he's called me into? Do I know what that is? And oftentimes, you know, when the New Testament writers are using this word, the word of life, it's talking about the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, you know, do I line up with the truth that I am fully forgiven for all of my sins? Or do I have a bit of a scoliosis in my thinking that I'm mm, maybe not forgiven for that one? I'm forgiven for most stuff, but that thing I'm not. Listen, you're shifting away from the standard. You're not holding on to the word of life that says you're fully forgiven for all of your sins. Not just forgiven. You know, the Bible says in 1 John that actually he forgives all who truly repent and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. I remember walking with a friend who'd you know, kind of got in a muddle, got in a pickle, and, and had, some things had gone a bit wonky. And, uh, and she just was really having a hard time getting past a big mistake she'd made. And I remember sitting with her in her lounge and, and saying, and she's like, you know, I've repented. And I'm like, do you know that you're forgiven? She goes, yeah, yeah. And I suddenly, I just looked at her and said, do you know that you're also cleansed from it? She just collapsed. Because no, she absolutely didn't believe that. And I think sometimes we can walk around like that with a spiritual scoliosis. Well, I'm forgiven, but I'm probably still mucky because of it. Like, that's not the word of life. The Bible says the God who forgives all who truly repent and cleanses us from all unrighteousness, not just the little things, the big things. It's so easy in our thinking, in our belief, what I believe about God, what I believe about myself, I believe about my past, I believe about my husband, I believe about my future. Is that lined up? with God's standard, with God's word, with the word of life. Because if it's deviated away from that, I'm not going to be fully healthy, fully functioning, and stuff can begin to hurt. So that, this is the thing. We can't afford to shift from God's standard. And we can't afford to let go of and not hold really, really tightly to the word of life. We need to be fully lined up with his standard, fully holding on to the word over our lives. So what determines our alignment, if you like? Um, actually, do I set my posture spiritually? I'm not talking physio now, but spiritually, do I set my posture or am I more shaped by the culture and the world around me? Actually, we need to be aware 
Um, the world standard is not the same as God's standard. And the world standard, it keeps sliding. If you think about, you know, if we go back to physio for a minute, if that's your spine where it should be, um, and there's a curve away from it, you know, there can be degrees of curve. And some are, some are only a little bit, but some are really obvious and very marked. Um, listen, we need to be aware what the world says is okay, what the world says is good, what the world tolerates, even celebrates, isn't always what God's standard is. And we cannot afford as his kids to be, to be more aligned with the world's standard where it shifts away from what God's standard is. And that, that's challenging. Honestly, that makes us unpopular sometimes, but we can't, listen, we can't shift. Um, you know, even just think about, you know, what is acceptable in a 15-rated film nowadays would have been outrageous even 20 years ago. Even, I'm not that old, but even I can think about films that, as a teenager, um, were out there, you know, they would be totally, you know, mid-range, not a lot nowadays. Like, the world's standard is shifting. And what isn't okay is for us to say, well, well, I'm 18, it's not technically pornography, so it's all right. Is that fully lining up with God's standard? I'm not telling you what you should and shouldn't watch, but I'm saying, listen, think about it. Actually, what the world says is okay isn't necessarily what God says. You know, what is the normal maybe in, I don't know, your work culture, in your office, you know, the way that the boss is spoken about when he or she's not around. That might be the normal in your office, and that would be the thing. You know, people are walking around in a, you know, a, what's called a, this sway-back posture I was telling you about. They're like, well, this is just normal. This is just how I stand. You know, I can stand there as a physio saying, that's not doing you any good. It might be normal for you. It's not good for you, right? So what is normal in your office context, gossip, criticism, dishonoring the boss, I don't know. That might be the normal. But listen, that's devi- deviated away from God's standard, who says there's power in the, in the power in your tongue, you get to speak life, you get to speak death. The Bible's got an awful lot to say about gossip. Actually, who are you lining up with? Who is setting your posture, your work environment, or God's standard within you? It's really, really important that we think about it. Maybe your friends and your family, how they do relationships. Maybe your family, the norm is, we don't do conflict, or if we do, if you, if you hurt me, if you offend me, I'll shut you out of my life. That's not God's standard. God's standard says is you forgive. Seven times, 77, again and again and again, you forgive. You offer grace, you offer mercy, not when it's always deserved or asked, but because of who we are. So your family norm might have been normal for you. No, again, I've always stood like this. It's not necessarily good for you. It's not necessarily God's standard. That isn't the word over your life. So we have to think about that. Romans 12, 2, really famous verse, which says, do not conform to the world around you. Let me read you that from um, a couple of different translations. The Phillips translation that you know is my favorite. And Romans 12 verse 2 says this, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. You have to conform to God's standard, not the pressure from the world around you. The message translation says this, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. So let's think, think about it. What is it that the world and the culture is saying, okay, that actually is not in alignment with what God says about me, for me? Let's adjust those things. Start thinking. And it's not good enough to say, well, listen, I'm not, I'm not that far out of alignment, you know. So, I'm, you know, my back posture is not that bad. But listen, it, it's still not where it could be or where it should be. It's, you know, it's not good enough. What we tolerate in a slight shift in alignment away from God's word, away from his standard, means, listen... Two things, you're not walking fully free and functionally, 
and healthfully, and ultimately that is going to hold us back and, pay, and possibly cause us pain. But the other reason it matters is because I hate, to, I hate to shatter your illusion, but it's not all about you. So when we're walking around in a way that is out of alignment with God's standard, we're not representing Jesus like we should. And the call in this verse in Philippians is that we shine as stars. We stand out visibly different. So deal with your stuff. It's good for you, but it's good for people around you as well. I would suggest, listen, we can let things slide. We can, we can tolerate slight shifts, things being a little bit out of alignment because we're more shaped or influenced by the world standard than we are committed to holding fast to God's standard. You know, we're more committed to go with what the world is saying rather than holding firm to the word of life. And that has to change. Otherwise, we end up like these patients who are like, I'm desperately trying to do sit-ups and I still haven't got a flat stomach. It's like, yes, because you're still standing with your muscles doing nothing. Change your alignment and then work. And that's the thing. That would be a big part of my job as a physio. Be like, listen, there's certain things that I could do to you that will help your pain. So a patient could come in with back pain. There'll be certain things I can do. I can get my hands on that patient and they can walk out actually feeling in less pain, which was a lovely part of my job. Every now and then it went a little bit wrong. I once gave a lady a five-day headache by treating her neck a bit too aggressively, which was awkward. Um, but often, actually, that's a lovely part of my job. People come in in pain, go out feeling better. Amazing. But listen, you can come and see me every week, but if you know, I'm going to work on your back and you stand up, you're like, oh, that feels so much better. And then you go back standing around like that. And then you come back next week and say, it still hurts. Yes, it still hurts. Listen, for me, this is this partnership with God. Actually, there's moments when I just need to submit myself under, his, under the mighty hand of God. You know, like a, you know, like a skilled physio, which I was. I was good at what I did. I knew what I was doing. God's even better than that. He knows what he's doing. And there's absolutely times when we just need to let God heal us, change us, soften areas where we've become resistant and hard, stretch us. But listen, if it, it has to be walked out. You know, the, the patients who do best were the people who would absolutely jump in and, and work with me, but would, would really change how they were sitting. They'd change how they were standing. They'd... You know, they'd sort out their alignment and they'd work on their muscles so they could stay in good alignment. And they would have brilliant results. It would work really, really well. Far too often as Christians, we do one of two things. We either say, well, God fix me. It'd be like those patients who'd come back week in, week out, just massage it better with no effort on their part in between times. Never worked well. So frustrating. And we can do that. God just, you know, God will just do it. God fix it. God wants to work in us, but we have to work it out. Or we can go to the other extreme where we're like desperately working hard to try and fix it with you know, spiritual exercises, but we're not recognizing, hey, there's something that's a little bit out of alignment. Maybe in something that we believe, maybe in something that you're doing, maybe in a habit, maybe in how you're speaking, maybe in how you're managing your finances or what you're watching. I don't know. Maybe there's something, maybe it's something that God's called you to. Maybe there's something that God's directing you into and you're, you're, you're still resistant. You're doing a bit of a Jonah, not going that way. Listen, we have to know what God's standard is and we have to know what the word of life is and we have to commit to holding firm to those things. But we need to have moments where we just kind of get on that physio's bench and let the Lord heal us and change us. But we have to work that out. We have to commit to the process in between times as well. Those things need to shift. So we're called to work out our salvation continually, not just every now and then. It's a continual process. We're called to shine like stars you know, back in sort of biblical times, stars was a way that um, sailors would navigate. Like, actually, 
my life and your life, we should be so shining in a dark sky that people can navigate, people can find their way back to Jesus because of the way you and I live. Like it's a really big responsibility, but it's a really beautiful privilege to direct people home to the Father. That's part of what we should do. It's not going to happen if we're not shining like stars. And the way that we do that is we hold firm to the word of life. We can't dilute it. We can't compromise. There really is only one way to the Father. It really is Jesus. He really has done everything for pay for our sins. He really has set us free. He really is. We can't afford to shift from those things. But we need to know for his, his standard as well for the whole of our lives and hold firm to that. We have to do that while we recognize, listen, we live in a context that is shifted away from God's standard. So those are things we're called to do. Can I say this? What we're not called to do is point out the world's crookedness. Like that's not my job and that's not your job. Even Jesus said, I haven't come to judge the world, I've come to save it. It is not the church's job to point out the world's crookedness. The job of the church is to hold fast to the word of life, the gospel of Jesus, live according to his standard, without grumbling, with plenty of rejoicing, and represent this beautiful Jesus who is the desire of nations. Inside everybody's heart, whether they know it or not, there's a desire for Jesus. You and I have a job, not to point out their crookedness, but to live in a way that they're like, that looks better. That looks less painful. That looks more functional than where I'm at right now. That's, that's the call on us. So please, it's not about judging or criticizing anybody. But we can't go to the other extreme in, in that we want to love and we don't want to hurt and we don't want to offend. So we're, we will shift our standard according to the world's standard. Because the world's standard and God's standards really aren't the same thing right now. So my job is to shine brightly. And to do that, I need to get rid of anything and everything that is going to camouflage and keep me hidden from who I am. But it's not my job to point out people's crookedness. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convince and convict the world of sin, not mine. So let's leave that with him. But to do that, listen, we have to be fully in the world. It talks in John, doesn't it, actually, that we're supposed to be in the world. We're not supposed to be hermits and hidden. and like We need to be fully showing up in your workplace. Don't hide. You're supposed to be there. Like I don't think it is that we should have you know, Christian hermit kind of communities hidden away and you know, don't be anywhere near the world because they might pollute. No. You've got to get in the world to be salt and light. So we have to be in the world. Yes, in this crooked generation that right now, they, they don't know that God's standard is full and freedom for them. And so they're shifting away from that. So we're not to retreat from the world. We have to be in it, but we're just not of it. We just have to do stuff differently. We have to look different. And so that is going to require radical consecration, really separating ourselves out, say, God, I'm all yours. My whole life is yours. You know, and avoiding, absolutely. Listen, we need to have no, we cannot tolerate compromise like in ourselves. I'm like, actually, if, there's, if I'm even slightly shifting away from what God says, hey, I need to quickly get back on track. It's the healthiest place for me to be because God's standard, Mike Bickle says it like this. He says, all of God's judgments are directed at the things that attack his love. They're about protecting his love. There's glorious freedom for sons and daughters of God. But we have to line up with God's standard and we have to hold fast to the word of life. So I'd encourage you to think, you know, are there any things that I am tolerating, I'm excusing, I'm saying, well, this is just the way I stand, when actually there's a better way, there's a different way. Are there things that actually right now are out of alignment with God's standard? And the Holy Spirit will highlight those things to you. And remember, God's kindness leads us to repentance because the other side of repentance, there's more of the kingdom and it's a beautiful place. So we're never to be frightened or, or ashamed or, or sort of retreat from repentance. If Holy Spirit's highlighting something, that's God's kindness to us. 
because there's, there's better things. The other side of repentance is more of the kingdom. So don't shy back from it. Is there any area of your life maybe where, do you know what? I'm not holding fast to the word of life. That actually I've let disappointment or lies or doubt or unbelief come in and, and just I'm shifted away from actually what God says about himself, about me, about my future. Maybe there's some things that he's called you or directed you into. He's promised for you. Hold fast. Hold on to those things. Choose to believe. And sometimes almost the first question is, listen, if there's, a, if there's a standard that we're supposed to be fully lined up with, do I know what that standard is? Do I need to get into the Word and say, actually, well, God, what do you say about sex? Actually, God, what do you say about money? Uh, what do you say about gossip? Do you know what God's standard is? That's a good place to start. Um, so know what it is, but actually make sure you're lined up with it. Do you know the Word of life? Do you know and really hold on to the gospel? Do you know the truth and the power of what Jesus did for you? Do you know what are the prophetic promises over your life? Do you know the things that God's calling you to? And are you holding fast to those things or are you sort of letting them go? So living out of alignment in a way that is crooked, like this scoliosis, away from God's standard, it's bad for me, but it is bad for the world as well. It says in Romans 8 that creation is, is groaning, is longing for the revealing of the sons and daughters. That, the word that's used is it's like, it's like the world is on tiptoe. They're just like desperately trying to look. And they're looking for you and me, living in a way that's lined up with God's standard, holding fast to the word of life. So conforming to the world's standard rather than God's standard, it keeps me hidden. And what the world needs is me to be revealed. Not holding fast to the word of life, letting that go and settling for lies or um, compromise. Listen. It's keeping you hidden. It's not you being revealed as a son and daughter you are. And the world needs for you to be revealed. So it's good for you and it's good for me and it's good for the world outside there. So we have to know his standards. His, listen, his work is perfect. His ways are just. His ways are perfect and they're for your good. They're for your fullness and they're for your freedom. And so that we would shine so much more brightly as God's kids if we commit to this process. So I, wanna, I want us to... Um, I just want to take a moment, maybe just in, in where you are in your seats, and um, let's just ask the Lord, let's just ask Holy Spirit, is there anything in me that there is this, maybe a, a spiritual scoliosis? Maybe there's something that's like, oh, do you know what? There's that. It's just a little bit out of alignment. And some of you might feel like it, it's massive, it's really marked. It's like, do you know what? This feels a long way off. His grace is sufficient for that. For some of you, it might feel, well, it's only a little thing, it's a little bit way off. But listen, it says in Song of Solomon, I think, doesn't it? Like, catch the little foxes in the vineyard. Start when things are small before it becomes a major issue. Let's deal with those things when the Holy Spirit brings them up. Knowing God is so kind, he's so good, and it's his kindness. Nothing but his kindness that leads us to that place of repentance when we recognize, oh, do you know what? That's a little bit off. So I'm going to pray.